The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice and there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words, Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane, why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? As far as the reading of God's word, let's again bow in prayer. Dear Lord, we once again thank you for this privilege and opportunity we have on the Sabbath day to come and worship you, dear Lord. And we just pray and ask that you guide Pastor Bob as he spreads your, or delivers your message, and we just ask that you open our hearts and our minds, and that we accept this message, and we learn how to apply it to our lives, and learn to live for you, dear Lord. This we ask in your name, amen. Amen. And although the term guarding the sheep is not specifically used in the passage that I read, it is certainly implied in this passage, and is certainly taught much more um, using those terms in God's Word that we shall come to later on. But the whole passage, the the whole section here that we pick up, starting at verse 10 uh, down through verse 15, is the picture, once again, that Jesus is giving to us of that which would happen on a regular, ongoing basis during the time in which he is living, during the time of keeping sheep. It's an illustration that we're not very used to. It's something we don't see on a regularly ongoing basis. The nearest we have is perhaps watching some videos somewhere of a shepherd or perhaps we've watched something about sheepdogs and that sort of thing. You'll note that did not occur here. That was not in use. They, they weren't doing that at this particular time. And so this illustration that Jesus is using, although to them came right out of real life, right out of their everyday circumstances, this is something they could simply walk out of any town and watch and see. To us, it's a little bit more remote. It's a little bit removed from us. And therefore, as Jesus has given us this illustration, I think it's important for us 
to understand the illustration itself, the reality of what Jesus is talking about. So that'll be our first point, the illustration that Jesus is using, and then secondly, the authority that Jesus has. First of all, we need to be reminded again that Jesus has given to us in John chapter 10 two scenarios, one of keeping sheep in a sheepfold in a city, two, the responsibility of an individual shepherd out in the country. That's where we were last Lord's Day when we dealt with that he is the door of the sheep and what all the sheepfold and what all that entailed. We're still there. We're still in the country. He's still following up on that illustration. So we're not surrounded in a city by other shepherds and other flocks where we don't have the, the guard, the porter there at the gate. We are now out in the country, okay, out in the wilderness. We're, we're watching over a particular flock of sheep. Jesus speaks here then that in that circumstance, there are threats that come. The threats of a thief that comes to steal and kill and destroy. That is one sort of threat that the shepherd has to be looking out for. The thief who, who has no desire to watch over these sheep, he is going to sneak in over the wall or whatever means he can find to try to find these sheep that the shepherd is watching over and to steal. There is a second type of threat that Jesus mentions here, not of an individual, because that would probably be a little remote if you're out in the wilderness somewhere. Uh, is a thief going to really go through all the trouble of going out into the wilderness to try to find this shepherd, keeping lots over some sheep, and then killing just one sheep and bringing it back. Although it's a threat, it's probably not the major threat that is being faced. The major threat would be that of the wolf. You'll notice how Jesus picks that up in verse 12. He's not a hired hand. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. This is the threat. You're out there keeping watch over the sheep. The wolf, perhaps as they are pasturing, perhaps as you are leading the sheep to the pasture, perhaps as you're on that narrow road filled with all sorts of rocks and crevices where wolves could easily hide, perhaps even at night while the sheep are in that pen, the wolf is the one that the shepherd must keep out watch for. Just kind of interesting how this naturally flows. Okay? How many of us have not grown up watching a wolf trying to get at sheep in some sort of cartoon? It's repeated over and over and over, right? The disguises that the wolf will use in order to get at the sheep. Now we know it's all a cartoon and so much of it is unrealistic, but that which is realistic is this. The wolf desires the sheep only for the purpose of destruction. 
the good shepherd, the shepherd of the sheep, is the one who is going to guard and protect those sheep. And Jesus gets at that by contrasting it to the one who is the hired hand. Jesus tells us that the one who is the hired hand, the one who cares nothing for the sheep, the one who has no investment in the sheep, that when he sees the wolf coming, he runs, he hides, he gets out of there, he lets the wolf do its destruction, maybe take a sheep or a lamb or two, and, and then it'll leave, and the shepherd will, the hired hand will come back and do his job and simply report back to, to the owner of the sheep, I lost a couple of them, uh, a wolf came and attacked, and you know, if I lost my life, what would happen? Perhaps he'd get the whole flock, so I thought it better to save as many as I could. Whatever excuse it is that the hired hand is going to come up with. But in contrast to that, Jesus speaks of the shepherd. He who is the hired hand and not a shepherd. Because the shepherd is the one who is going to care for those sheep because they are his sheep. They belong to him. He's not just hired to watch the sheep. He is the owner of the sheep. And by contrast, then, if the hired hand is the one who flees when the wolf coming comes, then the good shepherd, the shepherd of the sheep, is the one who stays and protects. And as soon as we go there, perhaps you've already thought of this as I read through the passage you're already thinking of an Old Testament example of this. We're already tracing back into the Old Testament of another shepherd, another shepherd who was going to become king, standing before Saul on the day in which he is going to encounter Goliath. Let's go back there. Okay, Take your scriptures, if you would. Go back to the book of 1 Samuel. Chapter 17, you're going to find verse 34. 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're going to find verse 34. So by the time we come to verse 34, here's where we're at. Goliath has challenged the people of Israel over and over again. Nobody's willing to stand up for the challenge. David comes, visits his brothers. Here's Goliath's challenge. Says, why doesn't anybody do anything about this? He says, I would. I would be willing to do so. So much to the chagrin of his older brothers, David is kind of pushed forward and brought to Saul and tells Saul, I'm willing to fight this, this giant. Okay. Verse 32 tells us that. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And then Saul's response is, as he looks at David, says, you got to be kidding. Because you're just a child. You're just a young man. What, how, how are you going to do this? What, how are you going to go forward? Pick it up at verse 34. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear who took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him 
and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. And we know what happens, right? David strikes down the giant and there is a great victory for the God's people against the Philistines. See, now take that and listen to Jesus in John chapter 10. What does the good shepherd do? The good shepherd is like David. The good shepherd is like David standing before Saul saying, look, when the sheep are threatened, I defend the sheep. I guard the sheep. I protect the sheep. And I don't care if it's a lion, I don't care if it's a bear, and I don't care if it's this nine-foot uncircumcised Philistine. I will protect. God's people. Now David acknowledges here that it's not because of his own strength or his own ability. He does so because the Lord his God is with him. Notice Jesus in John chapter 10 is saying that's what a good shepherd does. The good shepherd doesn't run. In contrast, Saul. Saul, who is the king of Israel, who refuses to do anything. He refuses to command anybody to go out there. He himself refuses to go out there. Oh, he tries. There's this attempt. He puts his own armor on David in the sense of, well, you see, people will see my armor and, you know, they'll, they'll think I'm the one who actually did this. And David's like, no, I don't want this armor. This, this stuff's too cumbersome. I just go out in the name of the Lord. This is the good shepherd. That's David, the shepherd king of Israel. Jesus, as the good shepherd, guards and protects his flock. Because he also is not just the good shepherd. He also, like David, is the king, the anointed king of Israel. See, what we've just read from 1 Samuel chapter 17 is a foreshadowing. It is, a, it is a, a little glimpse of the coming of Christ. It is a picture of the one who is anointed, the Christ, the Messiah, who comes and delivers his people, who guards his people, who protects his people as a what? As a shepherd. Here is Jesus now in John chapter 10 as the shepherd king of Israel. His people, the church of Jesus Christ. Oh, in John chapter 10, he's the anointed, he is the Christ. But this has not yet been made fully known, is it? 
That's part of what designates Palm Sunday. That's part of what designates John chapter 21. That's why I read that as our call to worship. See, this is, this is flowing through. God is revealing through the pages of Scripture the one who is the shepherd, but the one who is the shepherd is also the one who is the king. Even as David is the one who was anointed, is the shepherd, is the king, so is Jesus. But in a greater way. Listen to the crowd as we go to Matthew chapter 21. Take your scripture. Go to Matthew chapter 21. As we hear the crowd, there in the triumphal entry, in, in Matthew's account. Matthew 21, 1. And when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethsaida, to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of the beast of burden. Notice, behold, your king is coming. Luke 19.38, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. There is no doubt that, that the people understand that this is about kingship. And notice, Jesus doesn't stop this. Jesus doesn't stop and say, hold, stop, hold on, wait a minute, you folks got it all wrong. Listen, I'm a shepherd, I'm not a king. Remember I told you John chapter 10, I'm, I'm the good shepherd. I, I'm not this king that you think I am. Jesus lets this go. And even when the Pharisees say, Jesus, tell your disciples to be quiet. Tell them to stop this shouting and proclamation that you are a king. End this. Jesus said, if I tell them to be quiet, the very stones themselves will cry out. Jesus in no way is, is somehow putting a damper on this or is inhibiting this. Jesus is allowing this to take place. He's allowing the words to be spoken. He's allowing the palm branches to be waved. He is allowing the cloaks to be put down. He is purposely riding the donkey. He commanded that they get him this donkey. Jesus is saying to them, I am your shepherd king. I am the fulfillment of David. I am your Messiah. And I will not be a Saul. I will not be a Saul who runs. I will be a David who stands before the lion and the bear and the Philistine to guard my people. This is borne out even more okay, when you go down to verse 9 of Matthew chapter 21. And the crowds that went before him and that were, followed him, were shouting, 
Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna to the son of David. See the connection? They're making it. They got it. Oh, in a limited fashion, not the full extent, but they got this part. They got it right. That which is coming forth from their mouth is a true proclamation. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed to the Son of David. Now what does that mean? What does that mean to a Jew? To those people along the roadside here? What it meant to them was this is David's descendant. This is David's heir. This is the one who is in the kingly line of David. Matthew, who spends all of chapter 1 making that connecting of a dot for us with the genealogy of Jesus. Matthew, who has worked scrupulously hard in order to, to, in his gospel, point us to the fact that Jesus is the son of David is doing so, so that we recognize that he is the legitimate king as the son of David. But to be the son of David means not only that aspect of it, it also means to be like unto. To be the son of means to be like unto. Like unto who? Like unto David. How is Jesus like unto David? He is the king. But he is also the shepherd. See, all this is coming. You've you got you to interpret God's word with God's word. What's happening in John chapter 10 when Jesus speaks about that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In other words, the good shepherd is willing to protect his sheep. Why? Because he is the owner of those sheep. Do you realize that? That Jesus Christ owns you? You are his possession? You belong to him? You are the sheep of his pasture? He called you out of the sheep pen. You heard his voice. You followed him. You are part of his body. You are part of the church of Jesus Christ. And now he is saying, because you belong to me, because you are mine, I will guard you. I will protect you. Let's just move forward from John chapter 10 moment to John chapter 17. Let me just give you a follow-up verse about this belonging to him. John 17 verse 10. All mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. Everything that belongs to the Father 
belongs to the Son, and everything that belongs to the Son belongs to the Father. We are the sheep of his pasture. We belong to Christ. And with his rod and with his staff, he will defend us. And he will guard us. And he will protect us. See, that's all the shepherd goes out with. Right? The only thing that the shepherd has is his rod and his staff. Psalm 23. His rod and his staff guide me. Yeah, the Lord, Jesus Christ, has a staff and he has a rod. And with that staff and with that rod, he guards and protects his sheep. Even as David with his rod and with his staff, struck down the bear, struck down the lion. With his slingshot, he strikes down the giant. So Christ, with his staff and his rod, guards and protects you. With his word and with his spirit. This is the means that Christ the good shepherd, with all the authority of a king, as our king. Not looking for somebody else to do the job, but with his staff, with his rod, with his word, by his spirit. He guards and protects you. But I want to close with telling you how Firm, this promise is that he as our good shepherd king promises promises to guard and protect us let's start in John chapter 17 because I think that's probably where you still are Jesus praying in his high priestly, priestly prayer says in verse 12, when I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. The only one is the one who is destined by you. The only sheep are those who are destined to fall. But those you have given to me, those who are mine, those who believe in me, those who trust in me, those who follow me, those who acknowledge me, I guard them. Not one of them has been lost. John chapter 10. 
Verse 28, I give them eternal life. They will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one can take one of Jesus' sheep. No wolf, no thief, no bear, no lion, no uncircumcised Philistine can take one that belongs to Christ. Hear that promise. This is the good shepherd king speaking to you this morning. I will never, never let you be taken away. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 6, God promises his people you will be blessed because you will be able to go in and go out in peace. This is what the good shepherd does. He puts his sheep in the pen. They come in. They are at peace. They are secure. Why? Because the good shepherd is guarding them. They go out to the pasture land. They are at peace. They are secure. Why? Because the good shepherd is guarding them. Listen to these words from Psalm 121. Perhaps you... You know this psalm. You've probably memorized it sometime in your life if you're a little bit older. But maybe you've never thought of it in this context. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. The Lord. The Lord. The Lord what? The Lord who is my shepherd. Who is my shepherd? Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? He is the good shepherd. He is the king who rules and reigns with eternal power, with omnipotence, with might. The one who controls the host of heaven. The one who sends forth his spirit. The one who sends forth his word to guard and protect you. Picture is given to us again in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 34. So much so that even when one wanders, Ezekiel says, the Lord seeks them out. Isn't this what Jesus said? In that parable, that even if one out of the hundred goes astray, the shepherd goes and seeks them out. Why? Because he has promised to guard and protect all his sheep and to bring them back to the fold. How extensive is this promise? The good shepherd will even lay down his life for the sheep. What prophetic words were they not? For that is exactly what the good shepherd is going to do, isn't it? That's what we think about and reflect upon more so perhaps this week. We think about him laying down his life. But understand why. Understand the reason why. 
Because you, before the foundation of the world, were given to him by the Father. You belong to him. You are his sheep. To guard you from the thief, to guard you from the wolf. To guard you from the one who would seek to destroy your soul. He is going to lay down his life. He will die for you. Not because you ask him to. Not because he was commanded to. He lays down his life of his own. Because the shepherd is willing to die for the sheep. The creator is willing to die for the creature. Oh, the beauty. Oh, the love, the compassion of the good shepherd. He laid down his life for you. To guard you. To keep you. So that no one would ever be able to snatch you from him. Our shepherd. Our king. Hosanna, blessed be he who comes in the name of the Lord. And God's people say,